your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. And now at 8.18, more on the outcome of President Park Geun-hye's visits to the United States last week, that summit with President Barack Obama on Friday. We've got Bruce Kling, a senior research fellow for Northeast Asia at the Heritage Foundation on the line for more. And good morning to you from Seoul. Oh, thanks for having me again. Great to have you on the line. The joint statement that came along with the press conference, that was a bit different after this summit. We hadn't seen a, a statement on North Korea from the leaders before, but was its tone actually very different from the many comments we've had from them previously? Uh, it, it, that's a good point. It's, it's significant in that it's the first joint statement, but what is said is, is very much in line with uh, what both presidents have said before. But but in and of itself, it's important because it affirms the, the no daylight between the two countries, that the policies are the same, uh, that there's no lowering the bar uh, of what uh, North Korea must do uh, you know, to get back to the six-party talk. So while the two countries said, you know, we're, we're always open to dialogue, you know, it, it does require North Korea to show some indication that it is willing to abide by the basic premise mm -hmm. of the six-party talks, which is to abandon its nuclear arsenal. The main opposition party here had a couple of criticisms that I wanted to briefly address with you, um, because, frankly, there are a lot of positives about this summit, but one of the negatives, uh, not being creative enough in finding a solution to the North Korean issue. Coming up with uh, an easy solution, frankly, uh, would be almost superhuman at this point, but is that a problem, the fact that we're just seeing the repeated nature of these comments over and over again? Well, I, I don't think so. I, I think the opposition is, is uh, being a bit disingenuous even, is that, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, the, the U.S. and its allies have offered, you know, a long, long, long list of, of potential benefits and have delivered on a number of them. Uh, you know, and the, the common denominator is that North Korea refused to give up its nuclear arsenal uh, and refused to stop threatening all of us and, and you know, refused to even stop attacking all of us. So, you know, it, it, for being creative, I think the opposition is simply meaning, you know, that's a, a phraseology for offering North Korea a number of benefits for not really doing anything in return. Yeah, I mean, I guess they might point to the summits of 2000, 2007 as evidence of uh, that kind of sunshine policy's success. But, uh, I mean, that's probably a discussion for another day. Another criticism was of uh, this fighter jet program, the fact that President Puckenhair was not able to somehow convince the United States to give up key technology as South Korea aims to develop indigenous fighter jets. Uh, she did receive um, full honor parade, though, at the... Um, at the Pentagon, and we haven't seen any South Korean president offer that sort of uh, welcome there. So that seems significant in itself. Right. I, I think overall the, the summit, it was important, it was successful, if a bit unexciting. And unexciting is that there were no new deliverables in the sense of a, of a new agreement, a new accord. But in that way, really, the, the partnership is a victim of its own success. We've already had a, an FTA. We've already had alliance guideline revisions. We've already had a civilian nuclear agreement, uh, you know, uh, provocation contingency plan. So in a way,
way, we've already been very, very successful in the past in moving the alliance, the partnership, the friendship moving forward. So, uh, you know, there, there wasn't a new deliverable, but it was very important to counter some impressions of, of uh, drifting of the two allies apart, uh, South Korea shifting towards China, um, and also just to, again, affirm this, uh, this joint policy towards North Korea that uh, you know, counter any perception that the U.S. is going to have an, an Iran-like deal with North Korea mm. without North Korea doing some kind of change. Of course, it wasn't just about the uh, the nuclear issue. Uh, we also saw a fascinating final paragraph, which was deliberately included, obviously, uh, from Presidents Park and Obama, in which they uh, insisted that both of them join the international community in condemning the deplorable human rights situation in North Korea, which is you know, widely accepted, I, I think. But the fact that th this was included, uh, we saw straight away North Korea yesterday threaten the toughest counteraction via its foreign ministry. Uh, it, well, I mean, what does that mean now for relations? Well, I, I think it's important for the allies to not only talk about North Korean human rights, which in many cases we've, in the past, we've set aside in order to improve the atmosphere for nuclear negotiations to no avail. Um, but here we have a UN commission a year and a half ago uh, assessing that North Korea's actions were so egregious and systemic as to constitute crimes against humanity. And yet South Korea still has not passed a North Korean Human Rights Act despite 10 years of debate in the National Assembly. Uh, the U.S. has not yet sanctioned a single North Korean entity for human rights violations. You know, we, we've identified by name and sanctioned by name the presidents of Belarus and Zimbabwe for far less egregious human rights violations. And yet a year and a half after the summit, or the, I'm sorry, the U.N. report, uh, the U.S. has taken no action. So I think the including the human rights is important in this statement. We should include it in, in many documents. Uh, but we need to move beyond talk and actually take some action to try to address the, the human rights violations. Well, well, he had... And not be concerned with whether North Korea is upset that we're calling them out on, on these violations. Yeah, I mean, clearly one of the main concerns would be uh, the cancellation of family reunions, which are about to take place, uh, at least from yeah. the South Korean perspective. That would be a, a huge PR blow. Uh, they are going to start tomorrow, uh, as long as everything goes smoothly, whatever this toughest counteraction threatened by the North is. I mean, how important does that seem to, to the United States, though, do you think, that these family reunions take place? Well, I, I think it's important. It, it's uh, a huge humanitarian issue for the, the, the families involved on both, both sides of the DMZ and, and obviously for South Korea in the hope that it could lead to improved inter-Korean relations. But, uh, you know, when North Korea threatens to attack the United States and South Korea when they issue statements about human rights violations, it's pretty reflective of the, the true nature of the North Korean regime. So, you know, a, a criminal may not like you describing his actions. That doesn't mean the police stop moving against criminals. A mm. human rights violator may not like people identifying their egregious actions, but that doesn't mean you should stop calling them out on, on you know, these, these atrocious human rights violations. Yeah, I mean... An obvious point to make here is China has been very happy to talk about the denuclearization of North Korea, uh, even if that's not proved to be successful yet. 
but it is uh, not only unwilling to make similar comments about North Korea's human rights, it is actually uh, a major player in helping to repatriate defectors. That's a huge problem, even if the US and South Korea were far more uh, united on the issue. Exactly. And, and really, in so many ways, China is part of the problem rather than part of the solution. They, they've typically uh, put more pressure on South Korea than on North Korea. And the latest case we see now is bad. It's where China is, you know, using economic blackmail and pressure to try to get South Korea to not improve the defenses for its own country uh, rather than putting pressure on North Korea to stop the offensive threats, which are triggering this defensive reaction. Mm. Um, you know, and South Korea is also very quiet in uh, calling out China on its belligerent actions in the East and South China Seas. So, you know, that was also uh, a, a part of the joint, uh, the joint press conferences, President Obama kind of subtly calling on South Korea to speak mm. up against China when it engages in these, you know, uh, sort of belligerent uh, expansionist policies. Mr. Klingner, having followed these affairs myself for some time, it's my feeling that, you know, some cold December afternoon we're just going to have that story of a, of a rocket lifted up into orbit carrying a satellite. I, 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 I think it'll just come out of the blue. Uh, obviously, North Korea wanted the surprise factor uh, and didn't uh, launch any missiles around its anniversary. What's your feeling on that? Well, I, I, I think the... Uh predictions that they would launch on the 10th were, were really a, a misperception or a mischaracterization of the available evidence. Um, and now what people are doing is sort of interpreting why there was not an event on that date. Some are attributing it to Chinese pressure, missile problems, uh, you know, in, uh, Kim Jong-un overcoming the hardliners. You know, the reality is if you saw the, the satellite imagery of the construction activity, it was, uh, you know, ongoing, years-long uh, efforts to upgrade that facility, which shows the continued prioritization that North Korea gives to this prohibited missile mm. program. Um, you know, and, and the North Korean statements were actually vague about the timing, uh, but I think the media just sort of picked up on it. They came up with the idea that it could be... Well, it is a very to alluring topic, Mr. Klingner. We've got to leave it there, but thank you so much for joining okay. us. Bruce Klingner from the Heritage Foundation.